0: Spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go.
1: This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock podcast. It is day three of uh, being quarantined. And so um, I'm trying to do as many podcasts uh, as I can to not only fill my time, but there are so many people now that are available that had not been available before. So I'm taking advantage of a bad situation and turning it into something positive which is what I think we all need to do. So this is Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Um, We're being sponsored today by Racing Junk. They are our partner. Uh, once again, lots of people out there selling race parts and have more time to be on and do that. So check out racingjunk.com. They've been a great supporter of us and our podcast. So thank you to them. So my guest today is Julie Coates. Julie is an announcer. At a racetrack, and you know, we don't hear that very often. Most of the time, the announcers are men, but I love that she's out there and paving the way for other women to be the announcer at the tracks. And so, Julie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Melinda. Thank you for having me. So,
1: Julie, first, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself where you live, you know, family, whatever you want to share. And then we'll get into a little bit more about your racing story. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. My name's Julie Coates. I uh, live in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is right in the hub of dirt track racing for Northeast Ohio and Northwest Pennsylvania. I lived here about 15 years before that. I grew up in Conneaut, Ohio, North Kingsville, Conneaut. And, uh, that is maybe about 45 minutes east of, or west of me, I should say, and that is where I actually started my love for racing, going to Raceway 7, since I've been about a year and a half old, and that's the track that I announced that right now. Um, I currently work in the real estate uh World, And before that, I spent 14 years as a meteorologist on the uh, local TV stations doing meteorology and then also doing news reporting and sports reporting and even filled in a couple of times on sports.
1: That's pretty exciting. I didn't know that part about you that you had filled in and, and that you were a meteorologist. So that's pretty interesting. Something I learned about you today. So at one and a half year old, you started going to the racetrack. I'm not sure how much you remember from that, but why don't you tell us, you know, who took you, how did you get started and how did you end up where you are today?
0: Yeah, my dad has uh, always been a gearhead since he was a teenager. He always tinkered with cars and we had uh, raceway seven, which was about 10 minutes from my hometown uh from where i lived and we would go out there on the weekends to watch the racing one of the neighbors down the road from me raced modifieds Uh, he raced against greats like uh, lou blaney so we would always go out there with my family which included my parents and my sister and i my grandparents would go out as well as my uncle and his wife we would all go out uh, every weekend and watch the races it was really cool having a neighbor that raced because i would hear him fire up the modified and i knew that racing season was (laughs) close by so we started to go Raceway 7, but we were also close enough to a lot of the other tracks. So we would hit Erie Speedway and as well down at Sharon Speedway and Expo.
1: Okay. So as, as typical when I interview people, um, it's a family thing. It's normally when, like, if it's a young gal that's racing, her dad raced or her mom raced. It's a family thing. And it seems like that's pretty typical, isn't it, of race fans. It's kind of a generational thing. So you're uh, an announcer. Yeah. Is my- it, yeah. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I
0: was gonna say my father never raced, but like I said, he always tinkered with cars. So he had that love for anything motorsports, and it kind of washed off on me as well. I was always the kid that was out in the garage with dad, sanding down cars or helping him with anything I could in the garage. So I was. I was a little tomboy growing up and my love for racing just continued on he was the one that really exposed me to it
1: yeah that's like i said that's that's pretty typical although i have to say in my situation um we had some friends when my first husband and i were married we had some friends that raced that he worked with and that's really how we got started we just started going to watch them My family was never into racing at all. My dad was a farmer. He didn't race. He played softball. But it's funny that actually my oldest sister, before she passed away, um, flagged at a racetrack and had a huge love of racing long before I ever got into it. And and unfortunately, she's passed away because I know at this point, we could have really shared something special with both of our love for racing but that's that's kind of how it goes so julie how did you get the job as an announcer at raceway seven
0: it really uh came about just from networking i worked with an asphalt late model team i grew up on dirt but we had opened uh, there was a new asphalt track that opened up uh in northeast pennsylvania lake erie speedway which is about 20 minutes from erie and i started working with an asphalt late model team there got to know a bunch of people and uh after them i worked with a kid who was like a brother to me and he raced legends so i was around the asphalt side for about 10 years traveling with different teams and through there i made connections of uh different racers and one of them ended up going and promoting one of the local dirt tracks. And he asked me if I would help out. He knew that I had the, uh, uh, the broadcasting background and I had a social media background. So I started out there in, I believe it was 2013, uh, doing social media, as well as all the Victory Lane announcements and interviews. So that work went on for about two and a half years. Things happened that the track, sh- track shut down for a short time and the new owners came in the next year and then they asked me if I wanted to announce, co-announce with Dan who was awesome to work with, I was at Stateline Speedway and I did that and through there um, halfway through that season the opportunity came up at Race Space 7 and then I met with the folks from the BRP Modified Tour at both racetracks. I uh, worked with them and they asked me if I wanted to come along and help with their series as well And because they raced at multiple tracks at different locations, I knew one of the other tracks had to go. And it was really tough for me to leave State Lines Belay because I had so much fun working there. I loved working with the folks, but I also liked the ability to travel. And I kept Raceway 7 because that was my hometown track, the one I grew up on. So the following year, I was working at Raceway 7 full-time and then doing uh, uh, public relations and a little bit of announcing for – BRP modified tour. I don't do as much with them because a lot of the tracks that we hit run modifieds on a regular basis. So the regular announcer track announcer knows a lot of the drivers and their information. So I usually just announce at tracks that don't run the big block modifieds on a regular basis.
1: Okay. So if you came to Kalamazoo Speedway, you'd get to announce because we don't have modifieds there. So that's that's an asphalt track. So, um, I'll just throw that out there, you know, (laughs) so uh, there we go. (laughs) So what's your favorite thing about being the announcer?
0: Just being able to get to interact with the drivers and getting to know all the drivers and crew and the family and their friends. It's been, uh, it's been surprising or not really surprising, but it's been fresh to see how welcoming they have been to me this is an area, all the tracks I work at and have worked at, uh, for the most part, are within the viewing area of where I did the weather. And so a lot of them will come up to me and joke around, they'll say, hey, it's the weather girl, ask me questions about the weather. And a couple of I would a lot, the one uh, driver came up to me, he said, you do know this is a dirt track. I said, "Oh, I'm good. I, I grew up on dirt track racing." He was like, "Okay, I just wanted to make sure you knew." But that's the best part: getting to know the drivers and uh, just being able to interact with them. And the people I work with are phenomenal. We have a great group up in the press box at Raceway Seven, and they're always uh, getting me to laugh. The first couple of weeks, I was pretty stressed out because I used to I was used to doing dual announcing. But going back to just announcing by myself was a whole different uh uh, thing to try to figure out and it was great they were very helpful to me and it just it's just so much fun I couldn't be happier with the people I work with the people I work for the McDonald's over at Raceway 7 they're great and uh just everyone has been great through the years
1: that's a real that's really cool so um you know, I can see where, like, you know, if there were two of you, it kind of makes it easier. And then you've got to, like, maintain both sides of the conversation if it's just you announcing. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, it's, it's sound. you know, when you're sitting in the stands, it doesn't sound that hard. But yet, when you think about that, really, you're constantly talking. If there's a yellow flag or a red flag, you know, I'm sure you probably play music and do other things, but... Like the guy at our track, you know, he talks as much as he can and then, you know, sometimes it's such a long time that he has to finally put the music on or something because there's only so much you can say during a red flag or a yellow flag. So what do you do when um, those, those times and you have to fill things? What, how do you do that?
0: A lot of time, what I do is I'll I'll put on some music if I know it's going to be an extended red flag. If we have a case where an ambulance needs to go off track and we have to wait for the next one to come in, that can sometimes be up to a half an hour wait or 45 minutes. So uh, I'll talk some, thank our sponsors, talk about some of the racing that will be coming up that night. Uh, Also talk about upcoming events, go through our schedule for the next couple of weeks. But then I will... Put the music on and and let that uh, flow for a while remind people to hit the concession stands and all the good food that we have there but it is tough to feel when you know it's going to be an extended period of time but uh, music definitely helps and uh, i'll break in like if we have a car that needs to be moved or just you know every so often thanking the fans for their patience through some of the extended red flags and making you know them aware that hey we're we're uh our top priority is safety, so this is why we're doing what we're doing, and just thanking them for being patient. That's one of the big keys of announcing during extended red flag periods.
1: Yeah, I, I would think that would be tough, you know. Um, Jason, Jason Seltzer is the announcer at Kalamazoo Speedway, and he's become a good friend of mine, and and I, you know, he he has some funny little like um, little clips of music that he'll play when different things happen during a caution, you know, like the beep, beep, beep when somebody's backing up or going the wrong way, or he just has all kinds of fun stuff, which I'm sure (laughs) you do too. And I know it's not just a job that you do during race season. You have a lot of preparation, I would guess, before the season starts. So what, what does that look like?
0: We'll all go through and uh, see some of the updates a lot of our drivers will head down to Florida during speed weeks and I'll keep track of that so that's something that I can mention throughout the season saying this person raised at Volusia or this person raised at East Bay and just kind of have that information to bring up but also watching um, some of the drivers what they're updating on their Facebook pages as far as things that have gone on During the off-season, I'll talk about, you know, new paint schemes, new sponsors, um, just different. And then somebody gets married in the off-season, I'll, you know, mention that. But this year, I have a different class coming in at Raceway 7. Unfortunately, our street stop numbers have been a little low, so they decided to add the Rush Force mods to our uh, class. They're going to be alternating those two classes throughout the season. So this year, I really had been trying to bone up on the drivers, where they're from, some of the information about their uh, history for the last couple of years with the sports mods, and uh, just getting that information out there as well so I'm ready to go when the Raceway uh, 7 season finally starts.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, I'm curious, does your track have your... Uh, drivers fill out like an information sheet, like obviously name, address, and all that. But what kind of questions do they ask or do they so that it helps you have some information about the drivers?
0: Um, I do have some of that information. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it doesn't get a passed along to me. Uh, so I get a lot of that information from their websites. Uh, with the BRP modified tour, what I did this year was... I put an email out or a, a Facebook post out saying, Hey guys, if you want your or drivers, if you want your names announced or your sponsors announced throughout the season, please message those to me so we can get them out and, and uh, going because there's, uh, we have throughout the season, usually about 30 or 40 different cars that race with us are actually more than that because uh, there are some races where we'll have 40 cars alone, but we do have some, Drivers that are only part time, but I try to get as much of that information as possible. That's one thing that I've been talking about the last two years: is trying to get those driver sheets because it will name their city, uh, their hometown, their name, their sponsors, uh, even car owners, and stuff of that sort. So that is something that I'm trying to get more involved or more involved into my announcing.
1: Yeah, I would think that would be really helpful to have that. I know at Kalamazoo, the drivers fill out a sheet of information i'm not 100 percent sure what all is on there but i would think the more you knew about them or what happened any what what's changed in your life since last year or any of those kind of fun questions so um i would think track announcers would need that kind of information for sure most definitely and
0: what's nice is a lot of the drivers that i knew from state line speedway a lot of those also race at raceway seven so i have a big group of information because there are a lot of uh carryover drivers from all three tracks we actually have a a raceway seven races on friday night state line speedway races on saturday and then erie speedway races on sunday and they're all you know raceway seven is and state line about an hour away from erie and then erie Speedway is about 10 minutes so it's nice to be able to have a lot of those same drivers at all three tracks competing so you really get to know a lot of information talking about hey he won last night at uh state line going to be headed to erie's tomorrow so it's it's really good to be able to have that data from all the local tracks
1: yeah you know they're really lucky that they have three tracks And they race on three different nights that's pretty unusual usually like here in kalamazoo area kalamazoo races on friday night galesburg races on saturday so does berlin and the others around so hopefully kalamazoo gets the friday night crowd and then they go wherever on saturday because most of the time let's face it there is competition and they pick a pick a track that's their home track or their where they're going for points but those guys are, are guys and gals i'm sure are really lucky that they that they, you know they have that opportunity to race three nights in a row if you can afford to do that which is also another another thing so why don't you tell me what right. is the hardest part about your job uh,
0: the hardest part uh is filling the time Uh, We usually start around 730, and most nights we will get done around midnight, but sometimes if we do have extended cautions or uh, if we have a special race and there is uh, going to be a lot of heat races and everything, uh, the hardest part is really filling that time all the way through. It's from working an eight-hour job in the morning and then continuing that on as soon as I get out of work, and you start to hit that that level where it's like, okay, I'm starting to crash here, <laughs> but uh, like I said, I have great coworkers that are with me. If we do have, say, an extended caution, the gentleman that I work with, J.P.'s, is phenomenal. We met at Stateline Speedway. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be his last season. He's retiring after, I think, 30 years uh, in racing and doing public relations, and he does it for all three of the tracks in the area, uh, he's kind of been my mentor helping me with stuff, and he loves to talk to the drivers. He knows all the drivers, so if we have uh, the cars out on the track and the drivers out there, I'll hand him over the microphone, and he loves going and chit-chatting with them all. <laughs> he knows their families. He knows everything about them, so Jay will go down and do some of the interviews. And it's like, Jay, I know you want to get on that microphone head on down, and he's happy to do it, so that helps fill the time, but that's one of the, I would say that's probably one of the hardest ones. Um, doing the driver interviews that for me is easy and people think it's funny because i don't like talking in front of big groups (laughs) doing meteorology you think and being on tv you think that'd be a pro that'd be no problem but when i was in the studio we had five people so i never really had a big crowd and i didn't see the viewers so that worked out well but uh, even going down and do the driver interviews doesn't bother me I just focus on the driver. I sit there and talk to him like it's a one-on-one conversation. I don't even focus on the crowd, which certainly helps. But uh, yeah, just just kind of fill in the time when you have a long night. But usually we, we keep our program rolling. Um, if anything, we'll have a half an hour of uh, uh, intermission at most. So that's, that's very easy to fill. And with the Big Block Modified Tour, we are usually one of the first ones to go. So in between the races, um, between the heat races and the feature, since I also do public relations, I'll go through and fill out as much information and get as much of my story started before we uh, get to the feature time. And that helps out a lot as well, being able to do more than one thing at once.
1: Yeah, and I can see, I know that the listeners can only hear, but I can hear in your voice, but I can also see on your face, that this is something that you're really passionate and that you love to do and that's that's something i i'm gonna you know let the listeners know that i can tell by looking at julie she's got a big smile on her face and her eyes sparkle when she talks about being the announcer there so there has to be a lot of things that you love about this so what do you love about it and what would you say like you're you know you're giving Your job is a giving kind of job, but what do you get back from being the announcer?
0: Um, Just the friendships that I've made. That's been one of the biggest things that's been such a plus with this, getting to know everyone, getting to know their families. Uh, the, The joy and interaction between the racing community is phenomenal. We have one racer who... Has been battling cancer for several years. He's in his mid twenties, and this last season, we all pretty much knew it was going to be his last season of racing because his his health has been has been fading. But he still raced throughout the end of the season. Um, At the last couple of races, he had to use hand gears because he was losing some of that feeling in his legs and the way the racing community came together and doing this too he won two championships this season at two of the track local tracks i mean the kids the family everyone is just absolutely amazing and to see the racing community come together we had a couple of races where everybody wore blue in support of kyle Um, his name is kyle miller he's the number 15 uh, economod. And the way the community came together and supported him, it was not only just at our track, but all the tracks across the area. It was phenomenal. And that's the one of the greatest things is to be able to help those in need when we need to. Um, The the racing family just comes together. And, And that was that was one of the most heartwarming things. And being able to interview him when he took up his championship was just it was probably one of the key moments of announcing so far and the smile on his face and the smile from his family and friends and one time he came out to the first time he came out on the track he was doing some practice laps with the hand gears the track gave him a standing ovation and seeing that was just as you can tell i am tearing up from talking about it but being able to see how the racing community comes together it's like when they say we are one big family we truly are one big family and it's just a it's phenomenal
1: yeah i i have to agree and you know it's what people don't understand about racing and what you can't explain to them they have to they have to witness it is you know my my kids all played sports football basketball cheerleading the whole bit you know and and yeah, you know, you get to make friendships with the moms and the, the different people, but but when the season's over and or they're, you know, you kind of lose track. Whereas I feel like in racing, first of right. all, the relationships are much deeper because it's it's year round. Like if if a race family has a problem in the off season, the race family is still there for them more so I think than other yes. sports. And and the fact that the age range, you know, in racing can be from five years old to 105 years old. I mean, and so it's, it's something that carries through with parents, grandparents, little kids, and there's nothing like it. I mean, if anybody has gone through any kind of personal family tragedy or a loss, I had a loss, you know, when my son passed away, the race family was the first group of people to reach out. You know, yes, my son was a racer, but regardless of that, and and just like Kyle, his family will never forget all of the the love and support that they received. And, and when, when you're going through a tough time, it makes a huge difference. It really does. So, you know, I, I agree with you that the friends I've made, like you, Julie, I would have never met you had it not been for racing. And so I've met some of the most amazing women and and men. And um, I just, I, if I had to stop doing it today, anything to be with racing, I would still have all those friendships. And that's something that can't be taken away. And that's, that's a huge benefit of being involved with uh, a business or anything that has to do with racing. So, Julie, I'm kind of run out of questions, so why don't you, I'm going to let you have a chance here to
0: just share.
1: Is there anything you'd like to share about either the tracks you work at or maybe tell us, you know, some things that are coming up, um, anything at all about what you do or how you do it that you would like to share with our listeners?
0: Um, if you want to find out more information about raceway seven you can go to our website raceway7.com also find us on facebook if you're ever up in uh, northeast ohio that's where we are located in extreme northeast ohio our race season usually runs from the beginning of may all the way through memorial day weekend or i should say labor day weekend And then we have two special races after that. Uh, The second weekend of September, we have a big super late model race. Uh, They're not one of our regular classes. So we have a big 5,000 win super late model race. And then early October, we have the um, Lucas Oil super late model series coming to town, which is such a great race. We had our first one last year, and it was pretty much a sold out crowd, which was great uh, as we celebrated our 50th year of racing at Raceway 7 with the BRP modified tour we are actually supposed to have one of our races this coming uh, weekend unfortunately with everything going on with covid-19 uh, we are post that one has been postponed but starting back in may we are busy all the way through the middle of september that's when our last race will be and it is great because with that sees with that touring series we hit ohio, pennsylvania, new york and west virginia our farthest south is uh Tyler County Speedway in West Virginia. We're going to be there July Fourth weekend, and then our farthest north track is Ransomville, up in Ransomville, New York. It's right there on the uh, New York uh, Ontario line. Uh, I've been going there for a couple of years now, and uh, it's a, it's it is definitely Big Block area. That is the heart of Big Block territory up in western New York. And so you can check out our schedule on the inc.com And we are also on Facebook uh, under the BRP Modified Tour. So, all of that will be going on. Hopefully, we'll be uh, able to get our racing season going very quickly. Um, I know a lot of people are going through uh, racing withdrawal right now, myself being one. So, I'm watching all the iRacing stuff going on and uh, watching some old races. But yeah, like I said, a lot of stuff going on. If you're going to be at one of our tracks, we'll be at Hummingbird this year with the BRP Modified Tour, Sharon, Mercer. Also heading to uh, Old Bedford Speedway. That'll be our first visit over there. Also over to, uh, I'm trying to think I have my schedule here, but there's a a lot of different tracks. Uh, Thunder Mountain's another one that we go to. So yeah, check out our schedule on there and that'll be, Expo Speedway, sometimes we're there on Thursdays. Other times it's Fridays and Saturdays, and Sundays we're racing, uh, where Raceway 7 is just a Friday night track. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of racing going on once the season starts, especially in July for the uh, BRP Modified Tour. So, again, check out our schedules, raceway7.com and the Modified modifiedtourinc.com.
1: All right. That sounds great. That's I always like to know how to follow what's going on. And, Julie, if anybody – would be interested in learning what it takes to become an announcer. Are they? Are you willing to have them contact you and how would they do
0: that? Sure, I'm on Facebook, uh, J Coates, J-A-E, and then my last name, C-O-A-T-E-S. And then I'm also on Twitter, J underscore C underscore 75, J-C-75, uh, and it's gonna be great because that's how I've uh, gotten in touch with Tiffany who's the announcer down at Volunteer Speedway I had told that I was told that there was a female announcer down there and it was when they were headed I believe the world of outlaws at their track so I got in touch with her through Twitter and we've been coming we've become uh, good friends we were actually chatting this morning uh, talking about how things were going how we were dealing with all of this so it's it's great those connections that you can uh, make on social media
1: yeah that's that's for sure because that's really how I've met pretty much everyone is at least through social media and then you meet them in person, which is kind of cool. So besides you and Tiffany, do you know of any other women that are track announcers?
0: I, uh, watching one of the uh, race broadcasts, I did hear a female, I believe she was out at uh, Port Royal Speedway, and I've been told that there are a couple out in the West Coast, but I haven't been able to get in touch with either of them or learn their names. But uh, Tiffany's the main one and she knew of me from uh, when our race was broadcast, she had heard my name. So she's like, I know there's another female announcer out there, so it was great that we were able to connect and uh, you know, grow that friendship. And it's nice because since there aren't that many females doing announcing, we can bounce off questions off of each other. You know, We've talked about uh, what we wear to the races, what we think is appropriate, different things that we do that would be different from what the, the men would do. And so it's been it's been really good having uh, that connection with Tiffany and being able to bounce different questions off of each other.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. It's always good to have a partner in crime kind of, isn't it? So that, you know, you might think something's the right thing to do. And then when someone else validates it, it makes it easier to go forward and do that. So. So that's awesome that you guys are have become friends. That's that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool so um julie i just want to thank you for taking time today to to listen in here and be be my guest so that women can hear more about other jobs that are available in the racing you know that's one of the things that i like to promote is that yes we love the girls that drive don't get me wrong but we also there's a lot of other positions that women can do and they are doing that are important to the track that they're very good at. And so we like to interview women who are doing something different like you are to give other women out there an idea that, you know, somebody that likes to do that kind of thing, or maybe they were a former TV broadcaster and they're like, oh, that would be kind of fun. I would like to do that. And so you've inspired me to inspire other women to check into that or just say, hey, could I, help Rod you know help announce just one night of the races ask your ask your announcer at the track and see if they'd let you know let you try that out sometime I think that'd be a great thing to do if you're interested in that so again I just want to thank you so much for taking time and being on here today and do you have any last words that you'd like to share
0: well first off, Linda, I want to say thank you for all that you do for the women in the motorsports industry and recognizing those of us who are out there it's It's great international women's Motorsports Association is huge and uh, i I've, I've been able to pass it along to other uh, females in the sport that I know between drivers and Tiffany the announcer and other women who are involved and it's It's just phenomenal to see it grow because when I first started at um working with the late model team everybody just assumed that I was a wife or girlfriend or one of the one of the crew members and it's like no I'm actually you know helping these guys out and just in those 10 years seeing expansion from maybe one or two female drivers up to probably 20 drivers after that has been huge and it's nice seeing more women involved with the sport and like i said i'm i'm thankful for everything that you do as well to promote that and yeah absolutely get to your announcers say hey even you know ask if you could do some of the driver interviews stuff like that just things to get started it's it's the perfect way just to get your foot in the door or like with me i did social media and then they said well would you want to do the driver interviews too it's like sure i'll i'll do that so that way you get to know the drivers and um you know, get comfortable with them and then get comfortable with the sport as well. And even just shadowing the announcer to see how they do things really helps out a lot.
1: Yeah, I agree. Good advice, Julie. Very good advice. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you to stay home and stay safe during this kind of scary time of the coronavirus. I'm going to do the same. I'm on day three of the stay home, stay safe mandate by our governor. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm doing just fine. My husband is too. He can go to the barn, so we don't have to be together 24-7, which is a good thing. He goes down to the pole barn and does his thing down there. So um, it's it's not that terrible of a time for us, and we're all going to get through it, and racing's going to get started. Um, at least we do have iRacing to watch now, which is something that no yes. other sport is able to do. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of our, of Fox Sports, and iRacing, and I think Denny Hamlin has been one of the biggest promoters of getting that going. And so I'm, I'm really proud of those people that they're, you know, trying to keep our fans interested and with something to do while we're home and watching HGTV all day long. So (laughs) we're going to have a, we're going to have a good race season this year. Hopefully I'll get out your way at some point, Julie, and be able to come to one of the races at one of the tracks you're out. And, uh, Until then, take care of yourself, and I'll see you at the track. All right,
0: sounds great, Melinda. Thank you so much. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMANation
1: at gmail.com.